Welcome to church. How many of you are glad to be in church this morning? I love Sundays. I love being in church. I've always loved being in church. It was always my favorite day. I'm a weird kid, and I just loved coming to church. And my parents did force me, but I didn't really put up a fight. So I was one of those kids that was forced to go to church, but I actually liked it, so I didn't really fight. The only time I fought it was when we had early morning services for a period of time. I remember asking my dad one more when are early morning services going to be done? He's like, they've been done. <laughs> and I just got used to thinking I was waking up so early. Anyway, before we move on today, I just wanted to recognize some people that are here with us today. Renee and Mimo, could you stand up? I want you to stand up. This is Renee and Mimo. <laughs> A lot of you haven't been here since the last time they visited us, but you've heard us talk about Our Surrendered Lives, the orphanage ministry in Mexico. They started a home, it's really more of a home than an orphanage, for children where they are like their parents. They have helpers there who help with the kids because they got like 23, is it 23 right now? 23 kids in there. They have like this ginormous sectional couch so that everyone can sit on the couch together. And they're running this amazing home for orphans in Mexico. And we help support their ministry. And as um, I talked about this a couple weeks ago, but as our giving here increases, we want to give just a flat percentage of our general offerings to them. That's a goal that we have as your generosity continues to grow and giving continues to grow, that we would be able to just give them a flat percentage of what comes in to help support their ministry and the orphans there. So take a second if that is something you're even more interested in or just want to thank them for what they're doing or pray with them, grab them after the service. I'm sure they'd love to talk your ear off about their kiddos. So you can do that. Um, but today we are continuing in our Keep the Change uh, series. And we only have two weeks left today and next week. So those of you who are just dying for the money talks to be over, we will be done soon. But I'm still going to turn it back on you because this is what you asked for at Easter. <laughs> you said personal finance was the number one thing stressing people out. And I get it. I, I get it. It's the number one reason why marriages fail. We Our country is in debt like never before. About half of the people in America are struggling to get paycheck to paycheck. It is a real issue. And so we wanted to talk about what the Bible says about it because the Bible does talk about more than just tithes and offerings. And that's what we've talked a lot about the past three weeks. So there's this principle that a lot of people talk about with how to come up with a basic budget. It's called the 10-10-80 rule. And you can do different variations of this, but the concept is there's three basic things you can do with your money, right? There's saving, there's spending, and there's giving. Three basic things you can do with your money. Now, we spent a whole message last week talking about the fourth unfortunate thing that a lot of us have found ourselves in, which is debt, which I wouldn't really categorize that in any of the other things. Maybe spending, but then it goes way down into the negative and becomes its own big, hairy, horrible problem on its own. So we spent time talking about all of these things, except we haven't really touched much on giving. And that is something that God wants us to do to be different than how the world handles their money. He wants everything about the Christian life is to be different and set apart and a standard above what the world is. He wants us to be generous because he is generous. He made us image bearers of him. He made us in his likeness. He said, let us make man in our own image. He said in Genesis chapter one, right in the, or maybe that was chapter two, but Genesis one and two, when he was talking about creating humankind, let us make him in our own image. And that doesn't mean we just physically look like him. 
that means that we are to reflect the characteristics and traits of God. And one of his biggest things from the very beginning, you can see it all through Genesis 1, is how giving and good and gracious and generous he is. Just the overflow of his goodness. And he wants to deposit so much goodness in our lives that we also share the overflow of that. So, show of hands, how many of you would say God has blessed you? How many of you would say, God, some way, shape, or form, God has blessed me? How many of you, be honest, and it's okay, no shame here, would say, I would like more blessings of God? <laughs> I just want more direction in my life. I want more blessings. I want more of his presence. I want more of God in my life. And guess what? He wants to give you more. He wants to give you more blessings. And he's blessed us enough already by giving us life, right? So square one, we're blessed. But then he keeps adding on more and more and more things to us, right? And then he tells us, okay, if you can live in my ways, you're going to get even more and more blessing. And so many times when we're talking, when churches talk about giving, it's about we give to get, we give so that we can get something from it. And like, okay, I want to give because I want to get something. I want to get prosperity and wealth and health and happiness and all of these things. So if it takes me opening up my wallet, that's what I'm going to do. But now while we, when we walk in God's ways, he will naturally bless us because it is the full life that he has for us. It's the best way to live. Today we're not going to be preaching on we give so that we can get. Today we're going to talk about that we get to give. We get, you can take that one of two ways. We get as in it is our privilege and honor to give, or we get as in we receive things so that we can get. Any way you want to take that. We get to give. It is a privilege. It is an honor. It is a blessing to give. The Bible says it is more blessed to give than to receive. Acts 20, 35. Jesus actually said it is more blessed to give extra large tip or maybe it was giving something beyond your 10% tithe for a certain like when we did the bus fundraiser recently maybe you gave more than you normally give for the bus fundraiser maybe you were able to pay for someone's dinner across the restaurant how blessed did you feel that you were able to do that it didn't feel like at a loss it felt oh my goodness that felt even better than if someone paid for my meal <laughs> you know it is more blessed to give than to receive, but the challenge is that so many people today think that getting more blessed is just getting more. That that's what being more blessed is, is getting more, when the reality is to really experience the blessed life that God has for us, we must be generous and be blessed as we give more. So it's about more than money, it's about more than things, it's about the heart. So that's what the title of this message is today. It's all about the heart. And so our focus is that giving is really about a condition of the heart. It's not really about our money. It's not about the dollar bills. It's not about the amount of zeros. It's not about the numbers. It's really about our heart. And we're going to see that in the Word of God today. So we've been talking about money, and I really hope that as we've been talking about it, you see that it's not just about the money, but it's about so much more. It's these principles that God has laid out. It's these ideas that God has laid out. Whatever your percentages are or decimal points are or whatever, that part isn't the bottom line. The bottom line is not the bottom line. The main point 
is that it is about our heart, what God wants for us, making sure that our hearts are set free to him. It is a tangible thing on this earth that is a reflection of the condition of our heart and our spiritual health. The last... Um, the last three messages have been broadly about so many different aspects of personal finance and stewardship. Um, so today we're going to talk about giving and about the heart. So um, I want you to think about something that you were given that has touched your heart. So we talked about a time you've been able to give generously. What is a time that someone gave something generously to you? Think about that. Think about what you felt like when you received it, the blessing that it was for you. I know last fall, our son was in and out of the hospital for a couple of months, and we were having to drive back and forth multiple times a week to Iowa City, Des Moines, all over the place. And um, gas prices weren't what they are now, but it was still a lot to drive that much all around everywhere. And our one reliable car at the time was our minivan. So not horrible on gas, but not as good as like our tiny little car. So we were driving around like crazy. Because we were on the road constantly, we were having to eat out more. Um, it was just a lot going on. It was a stressful time. And in that time, one of my friends, who I've literally seen in person three times in the last 10 years, <laughs> but we've connected because we have sons with similar struggles, she put on her Instagram, and she has a decent Instagram following, and she blocked it for me so I couldn't see it. Like it was, I wasn't able to see her Instagram story. She posted on her Instagram, hey, I have a friend who's going through a hard time with her son. Is there any way that you guys could just, I think she used Venmo or Cash App, send me something and everything that I get from now until X time on X day, I'm gonna give straight to them. And I had no clue this was going on. And one day we were on our way to the hospital and all of a sudden she sent me like, I have something like $700 or something like that, that people just on her Instagram I've never met sent to help us in that time. And it helped cover so many things. So there are times when people have gone above and beyond generous to you and it just makes you wanna give back. It makes you wanna do more. It's such a blessing for you in that time. It's such a relief. So today, as we go into this, with those thoughts in mind about um, giving and receiving and all of this, I want to let you know, let's pause for a minute, how many of you were here on Kyle and my first Sunday, not our first Sunday as pastors, but our first Sunday when we were like trying out for the church? Yeah? Okay. So like maybe 50% of you here remember that. So our first time we preached here, we tag team preached. And I had only done that one other time before. It was my, my brother because my parents are all about fairness and they can't invite one of us to preach without the other. So we both preached 50-50. Those are hard sermons to come up with. Well, we wanted to preach together the first time because we knew we were both going to be preaching and we wanted you to hear what both of us sounded like so that you got a taste of both of us. So today I'm also going to tag team preach, but not with Kyle and not with a live person. <laughs> I'm going to tag team preach with a video. <laughs> There's a pastor who has taught about this and has said things that are way better than I could ever say about them. And so why not utilize wisdom and revelation God has given others in the body of Christ as well. So I'm going to be tag team preaching with a video. So just be aware, we're going to use a few video clips today. 
to talk about that. But this guy, his name is Robert Morris. Some of you have heard of him. He wrote a book called The Blessed Life, and in it is all about personal financial stewardship according to the Bible, but most of the focus is on generous generosity and giving. And he wrote this. It was his first book he ever wrote. Someone asked him to write it. He didn't choose to. They just liked what he had to say, and they felt like it was a unique perspective in the church world on giving. And so they asked him to write it. He wrote it. And because he believes so much in giving, generosity, and tithing of the first of what comes to him, he has donated every single royalty from the Blessed Life book, it was his first book he ever wrote, to his church. He ties the entirety of what comes in from that book, and it is his by far his best-selling book. He gives it all to his church as a tithe. So he lives this out in a very overabundant, generous way because he believes in it so much. So we're going to start with this verse here, Matthew 7, 1 through 2. Matthew 7, first two verses, Jesus said, Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judged others you will be judged, and with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Now, a lot of times this, with the measure you use, it will be measured to you, is used in giving talks, right? We've probably heard this in giving talks. What you give, you will get. Again, this is a talk that what it's normally used for, not today's talk, but what we normally hear is we give so that we can get, right? But today we're flipping that. We get to give. So if you're looking at this verse... What would you say the subject is? Anybody? Judging? Okay. Okay, so if you didn't, if you didn't get that, if you still thought maybe it was about giving because of all of the giving talks you've heard over the years, let me just read it again one more time. Do not judge, or you too will be judged, for in the same way you judge others, you will be judged four times in one sentence. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. So it's about judgment. It's not about money. I don't know where we started using it about money, but it's about judging, right? It's about judgment, not about money. He never says money, right? He's not talking about wealth in this. He's talking about judging. So real quick, before we move on, there's a parallel scripture to this one in one of the other Gospels. The Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, are the four different tellings of the story of Jesus. And so a lot of them overlap and talk about the same story, but from a different perspective. So there's a parallel one in Luke. But before we get there, I want you to memorize the first and the last statement of this. Do not judge or you two will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Okay? So say this first. Do not judge or you two will be judged. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Okay, now with that in mind, look at the first part of Luke 6, 38 through 37. The first statement, do not judge and you will not be judged. Same, right? And the last one, with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Same, same, same. So it is two different tellings of the same story. It's two different perspectives. They're not in conflict. They're not clashing. It is just two different perspectives, tellings of the same story. So we get a fuller picture here. So what's in the middle? Luke 6, 37 through 38. Do not judge, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Now, what would you say the uh, subject is? 
Okay, I'm just going to say, it's not giving. It's not giving. It's still judging. It's still about judging. The first one just condensed it down into the main point, right? This one, he elaborates. He doesn't just talk about giving. He talks about condemnation, forgiving. He talks, and giving. It's like a sub-point of judging, right? It's a sub-point. The press down, shaken together also includes condemning people. If you condemn someone, it'll be pressed down, shaken together, and poured all over you. If you uh, forgive someone, it'll be pressed down, shaken together, and poured all over you. If you give, it'll be pressed down, shaken together, and poured all over you. He's giving these sub-point examples of what you will receive in the same measure in which you give. So it is still a subject about judging. And this is used to preach about money, but money is not in the verse. Even giving, it doesn't say giving dollars. It doesn't say giving coins, silver, gold, money. It says giving in general. There are so many things we can give. We can give our time, our talents, our resources, our wisdom, our homes. We can, I mean, we can give so much. Our community, our friendship, our forgiveness, our grace. We can give of so much. It could be money because of the word it, right? It can be like so many different things. But it's about your heart. It's not about the money. It's about your heart. It's about the bigger issue. So if you haven't already filled this in and you're filling the blanks, we don't give to get. We get to give. For those of you who don't know, when you get your worship guide, there are fill-in-the-blank notes in there. So you can fill in the blank or there's room to take some extra notes. There's oftentimes reflection questions about what you can do, about what God's speaking to you. But the first fill in the blanks are we don't give to get, we get to give. God doesn't want something from us. He does not need us. He does not need our stuff. He doesn't need it. He doesn't need something from us. But he wants something for us, and he wants to do stuff through us. There's a difference. He doesn't want something from us because he doesn't need it. But he wants stuff for us, and he wants to work through us. And to me, the invitation to come alongside God in the work he's doing is so amazing. It's humbling, but it's so gracious that he would want us to come alongside him in bringing his kingdom to this earth and transforming lives that last beyond when I'm gone. I heard a quote last night of a a Christian in the 16th century. And he wanted to send out missionaries to the African slaves in the St. Thomas Islands and all of that area. Wanted to send missionaries to the slaves. And he said, in general, not specifically to that, that was one of his missions. But he said, preach Jesus Christ, die and be forgotten. Preach Jesus Christ, die and be forgotten. What a perspective change that is. And it's about Jesus being remembered. What we did here is so that you won't remember me. It's so that you will remember Jesus through me. That the Jesus who came through me to you is not that you remember me. I'm just a vessel. And what an amazing prayer that is that he invites us into that with him. It's so humbling to me. So we don't give to get. We get to give. God's word tells us to examine our hearts With what measure, I want you guys to think about this, with what measure do you give judgment 
condemnation, forgiveness, grace, mercy, love, or money. With what measure do you give? With what measure do you give any of these things? So we're going to talk about four things that we need to do with our heart. If it's all about the heart, four things we need to do. There's two we need to deal with and two we need to develop. So number one today is deal with a selfish heart. We need to deal with a selfish heart. Deuteronomy 15:9 says, Do not be mean-spirited and refuse to give someone a loan because the year of canceling debts is close at hand. Now pause. How many of you wish that this law about every seven years all debts are canceled and you restart? How many of you wish that was still a law? That would be great, right? But so that was the law at the time that on the seventh year, the year of Jubilee, all debts would be canceled. And he's saying, do not be mean-spirited and refuse a loan. So say, we're in like year six, and I need a loan for something. And you're like, uh-uh, I'm not going to give a loan. That's a bad business decision because I'm going to have to cancel that debt in like a month. Like, this is a bad end of the deal for me. He says, do not be mean-spirited and refuse someone a loan because the year of canceling debts is close at hand. If you refuse to make the loan and the needy person cries out to the Lord, you will be considered guilty of sin. You will be considered guilty of sin. This reminds me of a verse, I think it's in John or something like that, but he says, knowing to do good but not doing it is sin. Once you know the good you're supposed to do, it is now on you. You are the responsible party to do it or not, and just not doing something good is sin. It's not just like going and killing someone that's a sin. It's not just going and having an affair that's a sin. It's not just lying that's a sin. It's actually not doing the good that you're supposed to do and know to do. That's also a sin, which is like, not great. But once God has revealed goodness and truth and his way of life, we are now responsible for what we do with that. So we've got to deal with a selfish heart. Selfishness is the same as wickedness in God's eyes. We are born selfish, but through salvation, we are born again generous. So we are born selfish, right? Babies just want to eat. They want to poop. They want to sleep. That is it, right? Moxie, my baby, she is 18, 18 months. She's not 18. Whew. She is so sweet. But she will, like, if she's done eating, it's, and she just, like, chucks it. She like threw a hot dog across the yard the other day. She's like, what is going on? She's like, can't you just like, and she will, like if I put my hand there, she's like, oh, okay. And then she'll give it to me. The babies are born selfish, but when we're born again spiritually in Jesus, we're born generous because we're born to be like Jesus in that. So here I have my first tag team part. So we got a video here to illustrate this. I asked a Bible college class this one time. Um, why did God create giving? You ever thought about that? Because God did. It's, it's, it's all through God's Word. So why did God invent or create giving? And the overwhelming answer was to support His work. And I said to them, and I want you to think about this. I said to these, these college students, I said, do you really think? I want you to think about this because <laughs> it's funny to me. Do you really think that God needs your money to support his work? I mean, it, uh, you know, uh, is the light bill, you know, in heaven, uh, you know, too big for God? They running out of gold for the streets. I mean, cattle on a thousand hill, he's running out of cow. I mean, you know what? 
God needs you. No, listen, God did not create giving for his sake. He created giving for your sake. Giving more than any other activity that a believer does works selfishness and greed out of our lives. So he created giving for us, again, because he wants to do something for us and through us. It's for our benefit so that we don't have to be held to greed and selfishness anymore. So we've talked several times in this series about something called the lens of ownership. Viewing your money, your resources, what God's given you, do you believe that your money belongs to you or to God? And how might change? So I have several questions throughout the sermon for you to write down, think about, challenge yourself, meditate on through the next couple of weeks. Do you believe your money belongs to you or to God? How might changing your perspective change the way you give? So think about that. Be reflecting on that prayerfully in the next couple of weeks. Put on that lens of ownership. So number one is we've got to deal with a selfish heart. Number two is deal with a regretful heart. We have to deal with a regretful heart. Deuteronomy 15.10 says, Give generously to the poor, not grudgingly, for the Lord your God will bless you in everything you do. So he says, give and the Lord will bless you. We're blessed when we live life with an open hand. Selfishness attacks before we give. Grief attacks after we give. How many of you ever heard of buyer's remorse? Anyone ever experienced buyer's remorse? Like, oh man, I saved so much money on that huge screen TV on Black Friday. It's like, no, you would have saved the money if it stayed in your pocket. That's saving the money. You actually spent X amount of I'm sorry, Kyle's telling me to stop. <laughs> He's like, stop it. Stop it. Uh, I heard someone joking about um, when women spend money on She's like, oh, my goodness, I saved 20%. No, you spent 80%. You spent 80%. Anyway, sorry. Um, <clears throat> buyer's remorse. Or, like, maybe something happens and... You know, I just gave an extravagant offering, and all of a sudden my AC is out, and now i got to get it replaced. How many are fixing their ACs about this time of year? you got to fix your AC? Yeah, we got it in our car, uh, the church offices. we are got to fix the AC in there. I've been in there like, whoo, <laughs> working this week. But uh, I bought one time two Christmases ago. I got Christmas money for gifts. And so I got to, I was like, oh, shopping spree. I was so excited. And I spent... I'm really ashamed to say this. I spent $116 on journals. Journals? Journals. I will say they were prompted journals. So they have, like, I did one with Isaiah yesterday. It's like, what is your favorite thing about me? Well, what is my favorite thing about you? And we, like, wrote these notes to each other. And it was really sweet and wonderful and cute. But I've barely touched those journals in the year and a half since I bought them. Or maybe, or the time that we've shared with you where we felt like God was convicting us to increase the giving percentage that we give to the church. And right after, the month after we started doing that, they went into the hospital. And we had a hospital bill that the insurance wouldn't cover and we couldn't afford. But God ended up providing anyway. But I was thinking, oh my goodness, why did we decide to do this? Why did we obey God? Why did God tell me to do this? You know, we had all of these buyer's remorse type things. So selfishness attacks before we give, but grief attacks right after we give. So we've got to deal with both of these. Here's another illustration. You ever given uh, a large amount or made a commitment and then something breaks? 
And the enemy comes immediately and says, see, you shouldn't have done that. He comes in. And, then, and grief because we, we gave. And, you know, I'm sitting here. Here I am preaching this message, and I had this thought just go through my mind. And after 30 years of preaching, I ought to know to just let the thought go on by. But here's the thought I had. I just thought to myself, <laughs> I, I'm going out to eat after the service, and, and I, don't, I don't have any cash. I just had that thought just go through my mind. You know, I'm just... Oh, wow. wow, look, a hundred dollars. Okay, I'm going to start saying those thoughts more often. Um, okay, no, let's, let's talk about that for a minute, all right? Why, when I said I, I don't have any cash, why did David get up that fast and give it to me? Let me tell you why. Because I gave it to him before the service. It's my $100. Okay, now, he's not grieving that he gave. You're not grieving. Oh, you are a little? <laughs> no, he's not grieving because, why? Because it was mine. See, see the reason that we grieve after we give is because we thought it was ours. And the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. So when we give back to God what is already his, then we don't grieve over it. You see why I invited Pastor Robert to come preach with us today? <laughs> we have, it's again that lens of ownership. If I know whose it belongs to, I'm going to steward it better than I would if it's just me keeping myself accountable. If I know that it is someone else's, that it's God's, I'm going to do what he would want. So we have buyer's remorse, right? But God, with God, knowing it comes from him, God's not trying to sell us something. God's not pitching us. He's not giving us an infomercial, trying to win us over and get money from us. We've, he doesn't need our money. He's not trying to sell us something. He's not trying to get something from us. When Zay went into the hospital, why I told you about my friend who ended up covering essentially our traveling and eating expenses, we also got the hospital bill that our insurance didn't cover completely wiped. They said they wouldn't charge us for it out of nowhere. We had someone else end up not knowing what was going on who we haven't talked to in years or seen in years, wrote us a check. God covers it because when we know that it's his money in the first place, even when these things pop up, God will cover it. And it won't be the way we think most of the time. It will not be the way we think or expect or ask it to be, but he's got our back. He's going to cover it. Satan tries to make us regret or grieve what we've given. But when we believe that everything belongs to God, we will give without regret. So we've got to deal with a regretful heart. Number three today is develop a generous heart. Develop a generous heart. Deuteronomy 15 goes on to say in verse 14, Give him a generous farewell gift from your flock, your threshing floor, and your wine press. Share with him some of the bounty with which the Lord your God has blessed you. So it's not just giving, but it's giving generously from the best, from the abundance, from the bounty. Another version says to supply liberally, meaning generously. Got another video. You know, I heard a story of my uh, son Josh and daughter-in-law Hannah told me a while back. They have two children, Grady, who's seven, and Willow, who's four. And they got in the car, Hannah picked them up from church, and Willow said, 
Mommy, did you know that there was a woman in the Bible that only had two pennies and she gave both of them to God? And Hannah said, yeah, that's, that's a wonderful story. And Willow said, I want to give something to God. So Hannah said, well, pray and ask the Lord what he wants you to give. And so you could see her. She closed her eyes. Hannah was watching her in the mirror. You know, she closed her eyes. She did like this. And then she said, what? <laughs> and then she said, little baby? No, not little baby. Oh, Betty baby. Oh, yeah, you can have Betty baby. I don't like her. Okay, that's cute. That's kids learning about giving. But at some point, you got to grow up. Some point, you say, Lord, what do you want me to give? And you say, that's great. That's what I'll do. That's what I'll do. Kids, we know, struggle with sharing right at the beginning, right? We have to teach them to share. We have to teach them to give. Thankfully, my parents taught me what tithing was when I was like two. I don't know. Whenever people started sending me money and cards for my birthday, they're like, $5, how much do you give? You move the decimal over here, and that's how much money? Like 50 cents. Yes, sir. I'm giving that 50 cents to Jesus. And then I remember I did that. And then later I got a card in the mail for my birthday, another one after I gave 50 cents. And it was like, $10. Tithing works. Like at like five years old, I learned tithing works because my parents taught me how to do that. But that is just like the kid version, right? No, 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 I'm not going to give that. Oh yeah, I'll give that. I don't like it anyway. Like I'm just going to give you what I don't like. I'm just going to give you my leftovers, my rags, my hand-me-downs. That's all I'm going to give you, right? But when we grow up and have a more mature understanding of what it is that God wants us to do, then we say yes. I would love to give. I would love to obey you in this. What are you asking me to do? That's what I'll do. Luke 6, 30 through 36 says, Give to anyone who asks, and when things are taken away from you, don't try to get them back. Do to others as you would like them to do to you. If you love only those who love you, why should you get credit for that? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good only to those who do good to you, why should you get credit? Even sinners do that much. And if you lend money only to those who can repay you, why should you get credit? Even sinners will lend to other sinners for a full return. Love your enemies. Do good to them. Lend to them without expecting to be repaid. Then your reward from heaven will be very great, and you will truly be acting as children of the Most High. For he is kind to those who are unthankful and wicked. You must be compassionate, just as your Father is compassionate. We talked about this. We are image bearers. Christian means little Christ to look like Jesus. God wants us to be generous as he is generous because he is generous and he wants people to see his reflection in us. He wants for all to come to know him and we get to help present that. So number three was develop a generous heart and then fourth today is develop a grateful heart. Deuteronomy 15, 15. Remember that you were once slaves in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God redeemed you. That is why I'm giving you this command. That's right after he says, you must be compassionate as your father is compassionate. Remember. Now, maybe we weren't actually slaves, but we were slaves to our sin. How many of you have been slaves to sins, addictions, struggles that you just cannot cannot get out of? 
we've been slaves to something. And Jesus sets us free. And when we remember that, we develop in us a grateful heart. He said, slaves redeemed command. Remember, you were slaves, but he redeemed us. Therefore, he is commanding us to go and be compassionate as he was for us. To go and be compassionate and redemptive and generous in this world as he was to us. Got one last video. A while back, a pastor and his wife were, uh, had heard me share our testimony on giving. And in this series, I'll share our testimony on giving. And by God's grace, Debbie and I have been able to give like many cars to people. We were able to give our first home away. Uh, we've just been able to give very extravagantly. And we love to do that. And I shared that testimony in the church, and we went to dinner with this pastor and his wife, and the wife said to Debbie, I have a question for you. And, and both of us knew the question because we've heard it many times. She said, how did you feel when your husband said he wanted to give away your house? And Debbie said, I felt great. I felt great. She said, you have to remember that Robert and I were married before he got saved. And every time he's wanted to give something extravagantly, I think, thank you, God. Thank you, God, for my new husband. And then the pastor asked her a question she'd never been asked. He said, why do you think that Robert is so generous. And I'm, I'm not trying to set myself up as an example. I know many, many people are very generous. But he said, why do you think that, I mean, he just has given so extravagantly ret retirement, savings, all these things over the years. Why do you think he's so generous? And a tear came down her cheek and she said, because he's never gotten over getting saved. He's never forgot where he came from. And he knows that everything we have came from the Lord. Slaves redeemed command. We were slaves. So my last question to you is, have you gotten over being saved? Have you gotten over the fact that he has redeemed you? That he has pulled you out? Have you gotten over the salvation he's given, the healing he's brought, the freedom, the deliverance that he's given you from addiction, from bondage, from sin? Have you gotten over? Have you ever been saved? Have you not experienced that yet? Have you not experienced that yet? It's always to be important or it's always important to be grateful for your salvation and redemption through Jesus because he gave his all for us. We sang it earlier, Jesus paid it all, all, and all means all to him I owe. All to him I owe. Last week I was reading, I don't know if it was um, Galatians or Ephesians, somewhere in there, and I thought of Renee and Memo actually, because the verse in this translation I was reading worded it, we have our surrendered lives that we live for him, that we give to him, and I thought of them. 
literally left their home, packed up, families here, and moved for orphans they've never met. Do we give all or only what we're okay with in our comfort zone? Do we give what he asks? Do we even ask God, what do you want me to give? So that's the thing. Kyle and I, we might tell you goals and vision that we have for the church, that our council has set up as goals and things that we want. We might let you know what's going on so that you can be knowledgeable in your decision to give. But we're not going to ask you to give something specific. We're never going to bend your arm, twist, whatever. We're not going to do that. But what we will do is ask you to ask God. Ask God, God, what, just like that little girl did. God, what do you want me to give? God, what do you, and then listen to your heart's response. That's going to give you an idea. I was talking to God about something like that recently, and I was like, God, why is it, why is this part of my relationship with you so hard? And I started thinking, because it's so hard, that must reveal something about my heart towards him. And so I'm digging into that now. I'm in this process of, God, why is that part so hard? What is it about my heart that's not fully released to you? And so when we ask God what to give, it's not so he can get. It's not so he can get something because he needs something because he's selling you something. Because it confronts us with our heart. It makes us stare ourselves in the mirror and ask if we are as free as we think we are and want to be. It's just a way to give our heart more fully to him. We gotta give him all and ask him, God, not be afraid to ask. Are we afraid to ask, God, what do you want? And so if everyone could bow their head and close their eyes, maybe today what you need to give is simply your life over to him. You haven't given even that, that he would be the Lord of all, that he would be the king of your life, that he would be the center all around, in, through, behind, and before, your leader in life. And if you haven't given him your life today, it's what we've talked about today as getting saved. It's Jesus saving us from the bondage of our sin. And you want to start a relationship with him today. Or maybe it's been a while and you have gone off track and you haven't been living like he's Lord of your life. And you want to make that decision today. If that's you and your God, what do you want me to give? Maybe today starts with I'm giving you me. I'm going to give you me. And if you need that salvation today, on the count of three, I'm going to give you an opportunity to raise your hand. And raising your hand is nothing more than that first step of faith into saying yes. It's getting your body to make a movement so that the rest of you can kick into gear. So on the count of three, if that's you today, one, two, three, raise your hand. I want to give my heart to Jesus. Thank you. Thank you. You can put your hands down. Come on, everybody. Let's just repeat after me this prayer, giving our lives to the Lord. Dear Jesus. I give you my life. I want you to be in, behind, before, all around, every part of my life. You are Lord of my life. Forgive me of my sins. Help me to turn around and live for you today. Amen.